Now a man named Lazarus was ill. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay ill, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is ill. When he heard this, Jesus said, This illness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, Let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe but let us go to him. Then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. 
When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Well, good evening, everybody. It's good to, to see you all. I think as we saw in the, uh, the video, the earlier video this evening, we live, as I'm sure we all agree, in an imperfect world. There will always be challenges, uh, global challenges that world leaders have to deal with, and the big ones at the moment are climate change, COVID, the economy. The terror threat is never that far away, is it? Then there's individual challenges that we have to deal with. Maybe health issues, maybe some of you are struggling with health issues at this time, physical or mental. We heard about some of those uh, that Nigel shared earlier on. Maybe it's bereavement. Maybe financial challenges or relationship issues. And therefore we all have needs. If we lived in a perfect world, we, we wouldn't have needs. But because we live in an imperfect world... And we are all imperfect people. We all have needs. So the big question is, well, what do we feel are our greatest needs and how do we meet them? At a basic level, there are certain physical needs that we all have. We all need food and drink. We all need shelter, clothing, safety. And in the West, we may not consider those to be needs because we take it for granted that we always have them met. If we can't afford to meet them ourselves, then uh, we're blessed with a social security system that will make sure we have what we need. But many other people in the world 
are not so fortunate as we are. Then we come on to the, the emotional and the spiritual needs which apply in whichever country we may be and whatever level of wealth we enjoy. Most people would agree that one of the most important things that we all need is love. According to the Beatles, all you need is love. They proceeded to drum it into us by repeating that word quite a few times in that song. Anybody want to guess how many times, by the way? 100, sorry, 50, 102, so not far off. (laughs) But in our society, love has become almost synonymous with physical attraction and sex. But the Bible has four different words for love. In addition to the romantic love between lovers, there is also the bond of love between family members. There's a bond of affection between friends. And there's the unconditional sacrificial love of God towards the people he made, which we'll come back to. Another thing that so many people would agree that we need, particularly in the light of the, the challenges of the last two years, is hope. Not just the hope that things will get better, but that ultimately there must be something more beyond this life, what is referred to as an eternal hope. And finally, I would suggest another thing that we all need is a purpose for living, what the French would call a a raison d'etre, literally a reason to be, a reason for getting up in the morning. So if those are some of our human needs, then how do we meet them? Well, history has shown that when humankind has tried to meet those needs in its own strength, it inevitably leads to failure. Love continually disappoints. People fall out of love. Marriages break up. Families are torn apart. Colleagues fall out. Friends become enemies. Hope. The growing number of mental health problems, depression, the anxiety, demonstrate that many people think their situation is hopeless. And purpose, people drift through life never really finding a purpose, or if they do achieve the purpose that they have found for their lives, um, they then feel, well, actually it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And they're left without any further purpose or hope. So if as human beings we are unable to meet these needs, then where do we go? Where do we turn to? Well, the place where many people have turned for answers is God. The God who has revealed himself through his word, the Bible, who's revealed himself through his son, Jesus Christ, who came to live on this earth in human form. The God who we are told made us and therefore knows our every need and is able to provide for our every need. So I'd like to invite you this evening to look with me at one of the incidents from Jesus' life that's recorded in the Bible, and to see how God meets our needs, and why we need him and cannot actually live without him. It's a story we watched and heard, read to us, and it's from the Gospel of John. If you want to follow some of it in the Bible, if you've got a Bible handy, feel free to do that. It's in John chapter 11. And what we see in the story are how these three basic needs 
come together. The need to be loved, the need for hope, and the need for purpose, and how Jesus is the one who meets those needs. In case you don't know much about Jesus, so he, he is God who came to live on this earth as a human being. So he's both fully human and he's also fully God. Spent the first 30 years of his life uh, uh, as a normal person, the son of uh, a carpenter. And then he started his, his ministry and the purpose for which he came to earth, which was to tell people how they could be made right with God and enjoy a relationship with God. He calls uh, 12 uh, uh, so-called apostles to, to follow him, uh, to be taught by him, to share their lives with him. And because of the authority they see in this man, Jesus, they do just that. They give up everything they have to follow him for the next three years of their lives. And in this particular story, Jesus and his apostles are, are near the Lake of Galilee, which if you look at this uh, map uh, behind me, is up in the, uh, the north up here. And uh, it's there when news comes to them from two friends of Jesus, Mary and Martha, who are down here in Bethany, near Jerusalem, just a couple of miles from Jerusalem. And the news is that their brother Lazarus is ill, an illness that will lead to his death. And it's in this situation of death that the needs of human beings become most evident. Today there will be medication, surgery to try and deal with the, uh, the illness. And sometimes that's successful. Sometimes it prolongs life. But ultimately we'll all still face death. And yet we don't like to talk about it. There are, however, loads of quotes about death, many sometimes quite humorous, such as Somerset Maugham, who said, Death is a very dull, dreary affair, and my advice to you is to have nothing whatsoever to do with it. Some are actually quite perceptive, such as that from Angelina Jolie, who said, there's something about death that is comforting. The thought that you could die tomorrow frees you to appreciate your life now. But the truth is that many of us who experience the death of a loved one will know that it is a terrible thing. Not just the suffering that some people go through before they die, but the pain of separation that it causes. And in that terrible moment of despair, what is it that we need more than anything else? Isn't it love? We need people around us who love us and who can comfort us in our loss. And that's why Martha and Mary sent for Jesus. It was partly because they thought uh, he could do something about their brother's illness, which we'll come back to. Also because they knew that Jesus loved him. And he loved them. It said in verse 3 there, it said, So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is ill. It said also, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. This is a family that's very dear to him. Martha and Mary had many other friends as well. And in verse 18, we're told, Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. Different cultures mourn in 
in different ways in our culture. It's often quite a private thing. People are quiet, reflective. In funeral services, people speak in, in hushed tones. Tears are discreetly wiped away. People don't normally express their emotions much. In the culture of Jesus' day, like many others today, mourning was a very public and a loud thing. There was much weeping and wailing. But whatever culture we are in, we still need comfort. Whether it's a communal thing, there are loads of people around. Whether it's a smaller circle of close family and friends. And God is a God of comfort. As it says in the Bible, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Well, by the time that uh, Jesus arrives, Lazarus has died. And Jesus feels compassion for Mary and Martha in their grief. And he expresses that by weeping with them. Jesus wept, it says. But Jesus is able to do something much greater than all their other family and friends who are gathered there to comfort them because he is able to provide them with hope. As I said on the video earlier on, when we talk about hope, it normally means some sort of vague wish that something will turn out okay, but we don't know when or if. Throughout lockdown, we've been hoping that a vaccine would be discovered. We didn't really know if that would be possible. But Christian hope is something more firm, more reliable, because it's not based on what humans are able to achieve. It's based on God for whom nothing is impossible. So let's have a look at how Jesus gives Martha hope. When he arrives in Bethany, Martha greets him with these words. She says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's a bit of a rebuke in that. She's saying, why did it take you so long? At the same time, there's also a confidence that he knows what he's doing, as she goes on to say, but I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus replies, quite simply, your brother will rise again. Martha thinks he's simply referring to the resurrection of all people at the last day. She hasn't yet understood where Jesus fits into all this. But then Jesus says something quite strange to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. You might have heard those words read at a, a funeral service. I remember when they were read at my, my dad's funeral service. And the full significance of those words really just hit home to me and gave me a great sense of hope. Because what Jesus is saying in these words is that death is not the end. Death does not have the final word. Jesus was going to die. And then he was going to come back to life with a new body. Other human beings claim to have died for a short while before coming back to life. But no one has died the death 
that Jesus died on the cross and remained dead for three days before coming back to life with a new body. But what does he say? I am the resurrection and the life. Because Jesus is the source of life. He's the one who makes it possible for us to overcome death and enjoy eternal life. Because he himself has already been raised to life. He is therefore God's answer to mankind's biggest need. Jesus comes to offer hope. But how can that hope be real to me? How do I know that when I die, that that won't be the end? Well, hope comes from believing or trusting. We put our trust in something or someone, often it's in so-called experts, during COVID, the government has encouraged us to, to trust the science, to follow the science. But more often than not, we put our, our trust in ourselves, the belief that somehow we know what is best for us. Well, Jesus makes it clear here, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And he makes sure that Martha has understood this. He says, do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. To believe in Jesus is to believe because he loved us. He came from heaven to earth to make us right with God. It's impossible for us to make ourselves right with God because our lives will never be perfect. But Jesus did lead a perfect life. And he sacrificed that life for us, for our sakes. And so for those who believe in him, he's taken away all their failings. He's taken away all their guilt for rejecting God. And given them his perfection. So they are able to to have an eternity with God himself. Jesus meets our need of hope. But he also meets, finally, our need for purpose. We all need some sort of purpose for our lives. Um, For some, it may be simply, well, I just want to be happy. I want to be successful. Well, God has a much bigger purpose for us if we trust in him. And this story shows us what that is. Let's go back to the moment when Jesus receives the news. Because we read there, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha... And her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he rushed off to Judea as fast as he could. That's what we're expecting, isn't it? That's what we would do if it was us and the news came to us and we could do something about it. But what it says is, so when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Why would he do that? Why would he delay his coming for someone he loved? Well, look what Jesus says. He says, this illness will not end in death. No, it was for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. The glory of God refers to his greatness, everything that makes him who he is, his, his godness. He cannot receive any more glory than he already has. And so to be glorified means for his glory, his greatness to be revealed. How did that happen in this story? Well, because Jesus performed an incredible miracle. 
Up to this point in his life, he uh, had done some amazing things. He'd healed the sick. He'd calmed a storm, changed water into wine. And people believed that he could heal Lazarus when he was ill. As some of the mourners said here, said, Could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man have kept this man from dying? But no one really believed that he would be able to bring back a dead man to life. And so when he says, take away the stone, the reaction of Martha is, but, but Lord, by this time there's a bad odour. He's been there for four days. Are you, are you serious? There's going to be a terrible stink. Jesus replied, did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. So it says they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth round his face. That would have been quite an astonishing sight, wouldn't it? This is not like one of those zombie films. This is, this is the real thing. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus could have got there earlier. He could have healed Lazarus while he was still sick, but it was more important that the people saw the glory of God and that they believed, because by believing they would have eternal life. And as I said then later on in verse 45, many of the Jews who'd come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. They believed. And they would live again even though they would die. One of the reasons people struggle to find a purpose in life is because their horizon is just too small. It's focused on themselves instead of the one who created us, who created this universe, who holds our future in his hands. Finding joy in life is not about achieving the insignificant purpose we give ourselves for our lives. It's grasping the glory of God. And the amazing truth that he should still love someone like me. It's that love that brings security, that brings confidence, that removes fear and anxiety. And fills us with a hope of something far greater beyond this life that we can be a part of. Why do I need God? Because we all need love. We all need hope. We all need a purpose, and God is the only one who can provide perfect love, eternal hope, and a meaningful purpose. Lord God, we thank you that we can just come to you now and pray to you as the God of the universe. An amazing, wonderful God for whom nothing is impossible. And a God who loves us, who came down to this earth to demonstrate that love for us. We thank you that Jesus died for us, that he gave his life for us. 
that he achieved victory over death. He was able to say, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though he dies. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Lord, we pray that we would believe in you, that we'd enjoy the hope that that gives us for life beyond this one and the purpose that gives us for this life. So we pray for each person here this evening. We pray that you'd speak to them. We pray that you'd fill them with your love, with your hope, and with your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.